This show is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com. Welcome to I Shouldn't Have to Say This, where we discuss topics we believe deserve some critical and nuanced thinking. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email saythiscast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at saythiscast. Also visit saythiscast.pinecast.co for previous episodes. I think it's easy on the internet to diminish the effects of sectarianism. So I'm going to tell a personal story about how sectarianism personally on my alma mater's campus ended activism in 2015. So some background. On my campus, clubs are really the ones doing the majority of organizing, and there are quite a few of them. You know, you had your mainstays of every college campus, the Black Student Union, the Latino Organization, the Queer Organization, the Feminist Organization, and a few more that overlapped those groups, and even one that only dealt with issues of sexual assault. Now, for a lot of these organizations, they were started with good intentions. However, many of them came into being because of a fundamental disagreement that the founders had with the club they offshot from. So for instance, there was a queer club that decided to offshoot from the original queer club because they didn't agree with their methodology or the events that they put on. They then didn't agree to work with the old organization or decided that they were ultimately ineffectual, creating divisions amongst the queer community on that campus. And this isn't even getting into all of the divisions that existed between the original few organizations. And this doesn't even get into the conflicts that sometimes arose between demographics at large on campus. This led to standing rivalries between groups and certain individuals who just didn't want to work with each other no matter what the issue was, even if they had a fundamental agreement there. So, in 2015, because of certain events happening in the United States, my alma mater was galvanized to start doing activism in a more active way than they had before. Protests were planned, events were held, conversations with the administration happened. However, nothing really happened in 2015 in terms of change on campus. And the reason for that is because nobody would work together. So the thing that would always happen would be there'd be a protest or an event and the only people in attendance would be the people involved in the organization that was staging the event. So if the Black Student Union held a protest, the only people involved in the protest would be people in the Black Student Union, and there were about 10 of us. It wasn't enough people to disrupt campus or enough leverage to bargain with, so at the end of the day, nothing got done. And this is how every protest went. And it wasn't because people didn't agree with us, it was because of social issues or other things that kept us from working together on account of our core interests. I remember vividly not participating in an event because the founder of the event was problematic, even though I agreed strongly with what they were doing. This led to a campus-wide standstill and activism becoming ineffectual because we couldn't get enough people on board. So maybe I shouldn't have to say this, but there is absolutely a need for a broad leftist coalition, and sectarianism destroys the possibility of that forming.
Hey, genre. Hey, Nicole. How you doing? Oh, I'm ready to talk about some secretarianism. No. For secretarianism. Dad, you fucked me up. Sectarianism. <laughs> so that's right. This week, we're talking about sectarianism. Sectarianism, in its literal definition, means an excessive attachment to one's particular party or, like, religion. So if, like, you're a Christian and you're super attached to, like, Christianity and everybody else is, like, a dumb bigot, that would be, or, like, uh, infidel, like, that would make you, that would make you sectarian, like, you'd be engaging in sectarianism. In the religious sense, it's not just being a part of a sect of, of, of a religion. It's, it's being very very much attached to that sect or um that group yeah in its political sense or the way that it's being used these days um sectarianism is the philosophy by which people decide who is and is not in their political sphere so when i say i am a leftist and liberals are not leftists, I am making a distinction between the two of us. But then to go further, it would be to say, I am a leftist, that is a liberal, and I will not work with a liberal. Or, even worse, I am a leftist if there is a social democrat who believes in progressive politics but isn't necessarily into like the whole revolutionary politics thing, I won't work with them on our shared interests now. That is sectarianism, and right. it is really bad. It, yeah. Particularly online, particularly on the left. And it's something worth discussing. It's true. So, I think the first thing that we should discuss here is why leftists, in particular, seem to engage in a level of sectarianism which is destructive. And here's my thesis left wing politics value. Social equality, egalitarianism, they abhor capitalism, hierarchy, and those types of things. And as such, when we see people who disagree with us in ways that we see as harmful to members of our community, we decide, hey, get the fuck out of here. You don't get to be a leftist anymore. And that is kind of a, I guess, noble way of thinking. However, it is problematic in terms of like our political efficacy i think it's uh it you could call it noble in in its intent but in its practice it's not the the most expedient thing to do when trying to achieve your goals so say that there's a white boy in your leftist space who fucks up and says the arsler, or maybe they don't think it's a fucked up thing to do, and they just kind of say the arsler sometimes. A lot of people's first reaction to this would be, whoa, 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 whoa. This guy, he sucks. I don't want him in my spaces. I don't want him in my political spaces. In fact, I don't think that that guy is a leftist. And I'm here to say... But that's probably not politically expedient. And to like give a or to give like two more personal examples, I would also say this for somebody who says the N word and anybody who would say any of the plethora of 
homophobic slurs that would apply to me. I'm a black gay, so. So anybody that says the N-word is uh, is problematic? Yeah, I mean, of course you are. You're problematic if you're white and you say the N-word. Oh, if you're white. Oh, I say nigger all the time. Okay, I know, cut, I was cut like, that why out. are you talking oh, about yourself? Cut that out. I say nigger all the time. It's it's the A, so you don't have to cut it out. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I say nigger all the time. I mean, it probably is problematic in some sense, but like not in a way that I care about. I, I mean, in just just for people that that listen, uh, we um, it is going to be said on the show sometimes, depending on if there's a hard R or not, it might be bleeped, but we say it for the most part. We say it in terms of its educational quality. Like sometimes it has to be said, and sometimes I uh, just want to say it. It could be. <laughs> I mean, it's part of my vernacular. It'll exactly. come out sometimes. I'm black. I'm allowed. I have the card. <laughs> I don't give it up ever. So an example of sectarianism in motion would be this white boy says the end slur sometimes, so I won't let him into my political activist group. And this could be like on a campus or like in your activist discord or like any place where political work is supposed to be done. Mm -hmm. And I would say that this is pretty destructive, but we'll get into that from a little bit later. Leftists engage in this to protect our marginalized members. So like, you know, if somebody says the N word in front of like a bunch of black people, it's probably going to like annoy or like hurt people emotionally. It's not yeah. a good word to hear. If you say the R slur, that's also bad. If you're a sex pest, that's dangerous for every woman and femme. And like, I guess like men and mask people, if you also do that. But I'm talking but like statistically, it's probably a femme. Yeah. Your presence is dangerous to these marginalized groups. Therefore, we must kick you out of these spaces. My contention here is that, well, I ultimately agree in with the idea of protecting marginalized people i am a marginalized person and i would love to be protected there are spaces that i go for protection and there are places where i know that i will not be protected from hearing those words from white people mm. or from straight people and uh yeah you know um, or people from wisconsin oof. wisconsin Ugh! <laughs> <laughs> y'all infuriate me <laughs> but yeah so yeah. there are two types of spaces that exist just generally there are places that are like safe spaces and there are places that are not and like safe spaces are important for building community for building trust for like letting people build communities and have safety nets it's important i have a server which is a safe space that's oh, not a safe space i take no it back. It's, a it's a supportive space. space but it's really similar to a safe space it's an inside joke i'm sorry <laughs> but that's important but that space that with like this very high degree of purity testing cannot be this the level of scrutiny that we place on our political allies as leftists if we want to be politically right. efficacious 
if you want to there's there's spaces where you can go to relax and be yourself and not fear for having to deal with with that sort of thing and then there is places where you do the work and you are you have to get you have to be able to work with as many people as possible to move the movement along basically yeah the example that i like to use is um the abolitionist movement this may surprise you if you know literally nothing but <laughs> jesus uh -huh. abraham lincoln was a racist yeah he referred to black people as orangutans and he didn't believe that whites and blacks would ever be able to live together in peace it was really his intention to put niggas on a boat and send them back to africa oh yeah he was all about liberia yeah send those niggas to liberia yeah but he was still the dude to free the slaves you know Similarly, there are a lot of people in the abolitionist movement who didn't believe that black people should be enslaved for a lot of different reasons. There are some people who were in the abolitionist movement because they didn't like the fact that black people were taking all of the jobs away from the hardworking whites. <laughs> um, there were um, white people who thought that black people were animals, but like still didn't think that we deserved to be enslaved because we had some level of sentience. Anybody that can be converted into, into being a good Christian shouldn't be a slave. Exactly. There is a dumb fuck religious basis. There are a lot of reasons why people engaged in abolitionist mm -hmm. thought. However, they're abhorrent. Their beliefs are abhorrent and wrong. We are more than sentient. We're dope. That's scientific. Objectively. Yeah, we're objectively dope. But also, these people were wrong. Their ideas, abhorrent, wrong, morally bankrupt. However, politically, they were absolutely essential to the abolitionist movement. Black people would not have been freed in the way that they were without these racists who engaged in this specific political movement. That's right. Similarly, when black men got the vote, they got the vote but black women didn't get the vote but that basis was quite important when women later got the vote which also gave black women the vote political movements have a tendency to be around many disparate groups coming together on one or two actual political missions and that is why sectarianism is such a cancer on our current leftist movement. We have to be willing to work with people who we find morally abhorrent. That's right. Even if we don't believe the same things, like every single one of the same things as somebody else, or even if we find them problematic, leftists need to be more pragmatic about the ways that we use people. And yes, it is using people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, if I can radicalize a liberal into, like, voting for Warren, I mean, I'm sad that they're not going to vote for Bernie and even sadder that they don't support my glorious uh, socialist revolution. However, they are useful for electing a president that isn't Biden and isn't Donald Trump. And for that, I will work for them on this one goal. <laughs> I mean, that's I think we mentioned this in the in the voting episode. Like, I, I know that that you said <laughs> you you made the observation that maybe people that didn't want to pay attention 
or like that didn't know who the candidates were or anything about that maybe shouldn't vote. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking th- I I will tell them who to vote for and then they should vote and they'll just do what I s- they should if they don't know then they should just do what I say and it'll be it'll it'll be better. I'm willing to do that. You know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's you might as if someone is willing to listen or willing to just say, "Yeah, sure." Then yeah, that's yeah. a vote. That's yeah. important. If you can, yeah. And if you can't get on the same page with somebody about everything, then get on the same page about one thing. Like there are a lot of people who you wouldn't expect to be for single payer healthcare who are for single-payer healthcare. Mm-hmm. They aren't like bastions of leftist thought, and they definitely don't support all of the progressive points that leftists champion. However, in the quest to get universal healthcare in this country, they will be indispensable. <laughs> one of the candidates, as of this recording, one of the candidates that's running, Andrew Yang, he Three! is... For- <laughs> He is for like semi universal healthcare. It's you know everybody. He's saying everybody should have healthcare. Do you know the reason he gives why everybody should have healthcare? It's so it removes that responsibility from the business. Mm-hmm. It's true. Like the like your job shouldn't have to provide health insurance and it would it would clear up a lot of man hours and a lot of there are some jobs that wouldn't have to exist in in places of business it's be if if there was just health care for everybody mm-hmm. it's not like <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so, not the best reason but i'll take it you know yeah. so i don't totally co-sign that um just because of, like, my beliefs about, like, when sectarianism is acceptable and where the lines should indeed exist. However, Mm. I'm more talking about, like, you know, let me name names. There's this really, like, (laughs) annoying, shitty white boy on YouTube named Bosch, um, who's deeply problematic, um, on many levels, but he is a leftist, and, like, his main claim to fame, why he's growing rapidly, is, like, he's an abrasive fucking lefty. He says the arsler. He says the n-word sometimes. Oh. Like three times in That's six great. months of streaming and oh my for god. a reason. He said oh it once god. on like a Nazi sh- on a Nazi thing to uh, it's a whole thing. He uses some abhorrent language. This being said, and he's done some shitty fucking things. However, his politics are fine. And it's undeniable that he has some people in his community who started off either like center left or even further right than that, who have moved further left because of his bullshit politics and his cadence. His antics, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And like, you know, while he's not the purest and best lefty in the in like the history of the world, his politics have worked on one specific thing. So even if you wouldn't be willing to let this guy into your special Snowflake server, I wouldn't. My server's only for black gamers. He should still be allowed to do his work. That's my point. 
if you take uh, someone that says problematic language, or is problematic in, in certain ways, but if you take them and you say, write down all of your policy opinions, and then you write down all of your policy opinions, and they match up, the person is still a crappy person, but they're, they're useful. Yeah. There shouldn't be a, like a, an intense purity test when, when talking about working towards policy change. Yeah. You can have whatever opinions you want of another person, but that shouldn't have an impact on your ability to work with them if you aren't diametrically opposed to each other. And that's something I'll get into in a few minutes. Right. But um, essentially, leave leftists to do their work in the pockets where they will do work if you believe that they have good goals. So in the instance of Vosh, this is somebody who spends a lot of time debunking right-wing thought, bringing people further left, and like also doing a lot of pretty decent education on trans issues, even if he said some shitty sh things in the past. Um, it's a whole thing. It's it's a lot of Sounds YouTube like and Twitter drama. I'm not going to get into it, but there's no need. Yeah, my point is he should be allowed to do the radicalization and the good work that he's doing. It doesn't mean that he has to like work with every single person on the left, but it does mean that that's a part of the left that exists. And rejecting that part does not make our position stronger. It makes us weaker and more susceptible to outside influences my other point is that you do not bring people further left by rejecting them so if you have some dude who says some slurs sometimes and then you say dude you're a fucking terrible person i hate you so much you're a dumb fuck and you're a nazi go over there and sit with the nazis they're gonna go and sit with the nazis and become a nazi yeah or they're gonna sit with like the anti-SJWs and become an anti-SJW. If you say, dude, that's not okay. I don't want to hear that from you again. Like, I'd appreciate if you would just like, you know, pay attention to my personhood. They might think about that. Um, if you don't kick them out of your community, you might see marked change in their politics over a period of time. There are communities that are and aren't for this work, of course. My Snowflake Discord not a place for that work. The politics server that I'm on, probably a place for that work. Probably, yeah, if it's a politics server. Yeah. So, basically, making a strong distinction between safe spaces and political spaces. This being said, I do believe that there are moments where... I'm not saying it's like, anybody who says that, there's a, that they're a leftist is now a leftist... Uh, go off, Dave Rubin. <laughs> go off, Sargon of Akkad. You're all oh. liberal and leftist now because oh. you say that you are. I don't believe this, obviously. Um, oh. So, oh, Sargon. Oh. Sorry. Sargon sunk a, <laughs> sunk a political party all on his own. Oh Anyways. <laughs> um, now, we're going to start the section where we talk about the line and where it ought to be drawn where sectarianism actually is supposed to be so basically work with people who are useful to you reject those who are harmful to you only 
when they are actively harmful for you. Meaning, if I'm working on anti-gun violence and prison reform, I don't necessarily need everybody in that room to be a fucking intersectional feminist. (laughs) I need you to say, abolish the police and reform the uh, prison system. That's all I need you to say. As long as I'm sure that I'm like physically safe and I'm not going to like leave the meeting and you're going to come jump me, I don't need you to hold my hand through this. Also, through spending time with me, maybe your politics can change. This all, of course, kind of depends on that physical and mental safety thing. That's right. Now, if people are like abusing me, of course, like I won't work with them. But like if I just know that you don't you ain't down with the gays. But we're like working on this and you just occasionally go, ew, you have a girlfriend. Um, fine. I don't roll your eyes. Maybe maybe suck your teeth and then and then move on. And then I go back to my Snowflake Discord server and I vent about it. But exactly. That's work. And that is play. That is a recovery place. So, yeah, that's my thing. And of course, rejecting people who are diametrically opposed to you or have like beliefs that are incompatible with your own. For instance, tankies who are essentially Stalin apologists or like, you know, people who like uh, China's asshole. um, These people can fuck right off. Our politics are really far apart. We both believe in like, socialism or some shit but they believe in authoritarianism which means that any solution to a problem that they would have is not the solution that i would have to a problem even if we could both admit that something was a problem similarly anarcho-capitalists and which are libertarians but dumber same thing we don't agree on the solutions to the problems we both believe are problems so that kind of stops uh, the possibility of us working together in any sort of meaningful way. That's right. If you're working for a solution and you have a solution in mind, if two people agree on an endpoint, but the way that they get there are so opposed, why you can't, can't do that? Well, I believe... Right? You, I mean... I mean I think that if you agree on like on like intermediary points and like maybe an endpoint that you could work together, but like I'm talking about when my vision for society would be like stateless markets, maybe, but like free association, uh, workers control the means, and egalitarianism. A tankies ultimate goal would be like an authoritarian regime but make it socialist right and i don't agree with them on their endpoint, so we can't work together because the nodes that you would hit they would be wrong so they can't work towards their goals and i work towards my goals and we meet when we need to work on something together because right. we're like these are parallel lines they will never intersect that's what I was thinking, like, the, yeah. the what thing I was thinking of, an authoritarian saying everybody should have health care is different than, like, a leftist saying everybody should have health care. Because a leftist saying that means everybody should be taken care of. 
and authoritarians might say we need you we need everybody taken care of so we can throw you into guns uh or something you know like there's the re like there there might be compatible reasoning or there might there might be not and the 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 way that you get to that endpoint and the and the way that that endpoint is implemented can be can still be harmful even if the core idea of everybody should have health care is the same i agree essentially but i'm puffing out my chest at the fa- at the idea that tankies and uh lefties have any sort of like endpoint in common but that's oh, a no, different no, they, issue I, they no they're mm. i'm I fucking hate broad. tankies. I hate tankies <laughs> so fucking much. This would apply I mean, more to liberals. Should. This would and apply more to liberals. Have... <laughs> <laughs> and we will have ex- explanations of what a tankie is in the in the show notes because that is like half an episode. Yeah. There's lots of history there. Um and the the end point of that is they kind of suck. Yeah. So <laughs> you can't know. work with them. Yeah. But like a liberal there are liberals like Warren who support um, health, like single payer health care and affordable housing and free college for all. And I support these things for my own goals um, so we can work <laughs> together on those. And then like when we're no longer useful for each other, I can hold my hand out one more time and say, come to the right side of history. And if <laughs> they say no, then we can become political adversaries. But up until that point, we are we are the meme of the two people shaking hands over the issue at hand <laughs> me and them aligned hey yeah <clears throat> and and like we said before the um like like the example with elizabeth warren her views have changed over the years yeah and they will probably change more because that that might be the kind of person that she is. The 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 point is that if you just say you're a liberal so you can't be in the leftist camp and we won't work with you, that means a person that that has power in the in the country is not in your group anymore. Yeah. I mean Why would you do that? <laughs> I mean, even if you don't say it, even if you don't like consider them leftists because they aren't, you can still work with them. Um, yeah. Also, keep coming back to this. The left is fucking tiny and filled with marginalized people without a whole lot of power or money. On the other side of the aisle, we have the right wing. There are so many of them, and they are so stupid and so single-minded in their pursuit of bigotry and dumb fuckery. We are David facing goddamn Goliath. And we are sitting here talking about, oh, well, they see the N-word, so I really don't want to hold a protest with them. I don't know. (laughs) We need to figure out how to fix the prison system. But this person, sometimes he calls women hoes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, this guy calls women females, and I don't really like that, so... I'm never going to associate with him, even though he's going to support my beliefs. Yes, your political, yeah, your political space is not your social space. These are two different things. It's lovely if they can be the same thing, and maybe you can come up with a little social bubble where you can like talk about pol- radical politics with your radical fucking friends. But that is not where the real work gets done. 
you can start it, but you need other people behind you. And also, we need more people with more radical politics, and you do not get that by kicking people out who have milquetoast politics. You radicalize by pulling them in. So, for instance, we'll talk about, we've talked about this on another episode. When you want to radicalize a liberal, you don't call them dumb and run away. You say, no, let me explain why you are wrong. That's right. If you can. And then if you can't explain that, then like, you know, you don't cut them off. You just kind of talk through your politics and they talk through theirs. And then one day you reach synthesis where they're finally moving left and you can see the fruits of your labor. Oh. That's right. I was in a, a discussion with someone and or they 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 said this really crappy joke like he, like uh it was it was really terrible but they're still like we're still aligned in a lot of policy so i'm not going to say i'm never talking to you again i say that's a crappy joke and then we move on yeah and then solve the issue and then I mean, later i can say <laughs> Once that's done, I might say, okay, so we're done. Um, You can fuck off. And <laughs> Yeah, or like, you, <laughs> you know, know. If it's not going to happen, if he's not going to change his ways or anything, if, it, if, if that's it, and I can tell, then I, and I don't have to deal with you anymore because it's work. Yeah, or like, you know. It's a, like, yeah. Work with them. Don't fuck them. Work with them. Don't be friends. You're not friends with all yeah. your coworkers at your dead end job, Carol. Exactly. <laughs> Carol. You fucking you go to work, you come home, and then you presumably talk to some friends. Everybody at work can't be your fucking friend and political right. work works in much of the same way. And it's more emotional because of course it's more emotional. The stakes are way higher. However, it's important that we do this. For that very reason. The earnings report can get filed on Friday if Janice does you a favor, or it can get filed on Monday because Janice and you are enemies and you have to file it yourself. Even though Janice, like, takes all of the yogurt. Yeah, fuck. Fuck Janice. But also, like, if (laughs) Janice and Carol are talking about the environment, it's not the fucking earnings report that doesn't get filed on friday it's the world ends in in like 10 years in terms of like climate change you should be willing to work with anybody is what i'm trying to say right but maybe i shouldn't have to say this suck it up (laughs) jesus you're an adult for the love of christ god damn it okay (laughs) (laughs) that was pretty good Happy holidays, people. We're going to talk about what makes us happy. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, Nick, what makes you happy? This this holiday season of giving and joy and all that, what is happy in your life right now? So, I started playing Stardew Valley again after like a long hiatus because nice. the new uh, update came out on the Switch where my like farthest along save file is. Mm-hmm. And that's been a really good time. I've been a fan of farm sims since like I kind of passively 
like played somebody's farm sim when I was like five years old on their Game Boy in music school. I didn't know what game it was at the time, but years later, I um went searching for like what I remembered in the screenshots, and I think that it's uh Harvest Moon Two. Couldn't yeah, tell nice. you. I mean, as long as I've known you, you've been all about farming games. Yeah, but I like since I was like four years old, I've just right. loved the hell out of farming games. They're so much nice. fun and they're very relaxing. And you can also min max the shit out of it if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> so it hits all of those fantastic notes. And over the weekend, I've just been building up my farm and playing with a lot of the new stuff. And it's been really fun because um, you get kind of into that addictive gameplay cycle where you're like, oh, now I'm going to go over here and do this. Now I'm going to go over here and do that. Right. And I had like $2 million. Wow. And I spent it all on one item today. And that felt like. What did you buy? Capitalism. There's like a return wand where you can return to your farm from anywhere in the world. And I wanted to do that more than I wanted to craft like 10,000 totems to take me back to my farm. Right. Because over like a super extended period of time that I'll never ever get to in the save file, it would pay off. That's that's really cool. Yeah, but it was a good time. What's making you happy this week? <laughs> um, what is making me happy? It uh, as we are recording this, it it was the uh, solstice um, last night. Happy Yule, everyone! Uh, seriously, because um, I am actually pagan, and uh, and it was a really um nice night because uh. I really like the dark, I like the cold, and the the winter has always been, like, a really nice time for me. So, knowing that it was the solstice, the, like, the longest night of the year has, it was really, really awesome. Um, so, I did my little sayings and stuff, and it was really fun. We stand a pagan king. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. I'm... <laughs> I think uh I think that's good for for this episode. Thanks everybody for for listening. I hope everybody is having a great new year and a great holiday season. Happy Yule, happy Christmas, happy Kwa- Kwanzaa and happy Hanukkah. It's the first day and of happy, Hanukkah. It's the day we're that we're recording is the first day of Hanukkah right now. Um so I hope everybody's having a great a great season. Uh happy everything nicole happy everything to you genre so thanks everybody for listening uh if you want to hear more episodes our previous episodes we are doing episodes every two weeks basically the second tuesday and the fourth tuesday of every month so go to say this cast dot pinecast.co you can subscribe to listen to the episodes there listen to past episodes there we are on Google Play and Apple Podcasts and Spotify and every podcast thing that you can you can think of. Not on mine. Um, not on yours? Not on mine. <laughs> what do you mean not on your not on your Spotify? Oh, I don't use Spotify. I what do you use, use? Uh, Pocket Casts and we're still not there. I'll talk to you about that later. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, we'll definitely fix that. So, where can we find you online, Nicole? You can find me on Twitter at Jack of Three, as in the number trades. You can find me online at Press Start Lock. 
All of the music that you hear on every episode of I Shouldn't Have to Say This is from Mustin. By Mustin, you can go to store.mustinenterprises.com. That is M-U-S-T-I-N. And if you want to support the show, then it would be really awesome. Go to patreon.com slash saythiscast. You know, like throw us a few bucks if you want. Anything that like to do. I need a it mic is... stand. <laughs> my my mic is on a box with my it's old on a cooling box. unit oh for my, my computer that's 10 years old my goodness please yeah. do me this solid throw us a couple of bucks <laughs> if you uh if you go on patreon.com slash say say this cast and go for just like five bucks you'll be able to hear the episodes early be able to uh think vote on different topics on episodes and i'm gonna start and- insulting all of the states Exactly. We're going to start doing that. <laughs> We're going to have a podcast where Nicole just insults everywhere. So you'll want to get in on that. So uh, patreon.com slash say this cast. You want to email us say this cast at gmail.com. If you want to tweet at us at say this cast. And uh, I shouldn't have to say this is a collaboration between blackgirlgaming.com and Planetside Podcasts. That is planetsidepodcasts.com. Whoop, whoop. The love of God. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, just suck it up. <laughs> just pull your pants up, get out there, and get the shit done. What's the problem? Get up there, pull up your goddamn pants. Big boy pants time now. And avert the end of the world as we know it today. <laughs> Can we just do that? Can we? Is that is that a thing we can do? Is that is oh, that? You got your fifis hurt. Can, oh, the world's on fire. Can Great, we privilege that over the fifis? Just <laughs> ayo. Okay, that's the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs>